But when I look around, I see a lot of very different people. God has given you guys so many different gifts, skills, talents, passions, and things that he has called you to do. But as I was, as I was getting ready for this, I realized that there are some things that are very unique to what God has for you. But there are some things that God has called us all to. And I want to talk about one of those today. See, God has called each of us to be a bridge. Um, and that, that may not sound like the most glorious thing. I got a, a picture. Can you put up the first picture? Um, most of you guys are familiar with this. This is the Mackinac Bridge. And it, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's a lot of cement. It's a lot of metal. And a lot of times when you hear, hey, I'm supposed to be a bridge, it doesn't elicit excitement. But a bridge connects two places. It connects two points and gets them over um, or past obstacles. It reconciles two things and brings them together so that you can make it across. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, that it is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And in this, this message came our call to be a bridge. As we've got the next picture, this, this bridge that you can see both points where it's connecting. That, that we need to connect people to God's love. We need to um, help them encounter Jesus. He said this, he says, Jesus says, all people will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And he sits here and says that you're supposed to be so marked by his presence that they can see him through you. That you bridge this gap, that you bridge this divide, and that they have an encounter with God. He says that it's his kindness in Romans 2.4 that leads people to repentance. And that kindness is supposed to be visible, it is supposed to be evident, and it's all over us. As we're ambassadors for him. And as I got thinking about this, I'm like, this is not something that's supposed to just happen at church, but this is supposed to mark our lives. It's supposed to mark our presence. It should mark the way that you treat your waiter. It should mark the way that you treat the person at the checkout, your mechanic, your, your wife, your husband, your kids, <clears throat> the people that you work with. And it's supposed to be this uh, very much part of the core of who you are. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so we get this idea that I am a representative of the Lord Jesus, that I am supposed to bridge this gap, and that when you encounter me, you should see him, and I should make it easy. This is part of why I exist, and it's part of why you exist and if you've met Jesus, you can begin to fulfill this purpose and point people and bridge this gap. Pastor Bernie did a great job in a message four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. He called, what's it, what's in your wallet was his title. If you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it. It was a great message on letting your light shine and using what God has given you to help others. But as I kind of started looking at this, I was like, okay, so we're supposed to be a bridge but sometimes bridges have issues. Can you put up that next picture? I got looking at this, and, and that, that bridge has a problem. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go across that bridge. And hopefully nobody was screaming down that road when they discovered that that bridge was out. Um, 
When a bridge goes out, something is lost. Things, aren't supposed to, things that are supposed to be connected aren't. Things that are supposed to be united are separated and things can't go across. And it can be, it can be scary. Next picture. I mean, you look at this and I don't think any of you would want to get on that bridge. And I, and I think it would be, I think it's, it's a problem. I mean, you see it begin to deteriorate. You see things break. Um, we live in a society filled with broken bridges. We live in a society right now that is torn apart by differences. Rather than, than, the Bible says that love overlooks the multitude of offenses. Rather than looking at each other in love and looking at the fact that we value you because you're a human, because you're a person, culture right now wants to look at what is it that we have that's different. And they highlight every difference and instead of building bridges, they build walls where bridges are supposed to be. And they go, well, we think differently about something and they divide over politics and they divide over uh, immunizations. They divide over the shape of the earth. They divide over whether someone landed on the moon. And they just, they find anything that they can and go, all right, we're going to separate and we're going to argue and we're going to, to break down what was supposed to be united. And we're supposed to be building these bridges and our world is, is breaking down. And as I begin to, to look at this, I thought, you know, um, one of the areas that needs bridges is generationally. There's been a lot of generational disconnect, in particular in America. You go to some of the different countries, I've gotten to travel the world a bit, and you, some of these cultures are super family-oriented, and it's really, really cool. And then we look in America, and we're not. But not only are we not as family-oriented as, as some of these other spots, but we're, we have a lot of resentment that tends to go both ways on the generations as we often have highlighted what is different and it breaks down. But God has actually called us to be very intentional about bridging generationally. In Psalm 78 verse 5 it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. That the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. And this idea that we're supposed to just pass this on. And I began to look at this in the Bible. And there's this awesome story of a guy named Joshua. And Joshua follows up Moses. Moses pours into Joshua. He raises up Josh. And there's this strong bond and connection as he ministers and together and he pours into him. And when Moses dies, before he dies, he passes this, this mantle on and says, Josh is going to lead you and things are going to be awesome. And he gets to lead the Israelites into the promised land. One of the first things that they get to see is God splits the Jordan. And you got, everyone remembers that God split the Red Sea. A lot of times this one gets forgotten that as soon as Josh started leading, God did this marvelous work. And they get across and they face Jericho and God brings the walls tumbling down. And you see all this different stuff as God is with them. And, and God does awesome, awesome things. And you get to the end of Joshua's life. It says that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. But in Judges 2.10 it says this. When, they, when all this generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And it goes on and says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And we get this idea that 
there was something so amazing. And it changed the way that everybody lived, but it didn't get passed on. Can you put up that next picture? See, when bridges go out, it's not just a matter of things not going across. Sometimes people are broken, injured, and hurt, and it can lead to devastation. This is I-35 west over the Mississippi. It, it collapsed on August 1, 2007. 13 people died and 145 were injured when this massive, massive um, eight-lane highway came, came crumbling down. And I began to look and realize that this, this generational passing along is one of the saddest stories in the Bible because I keep seeing it repeat. Where you'd see somebody who's awesome and you're like, they're doing some really cool stuff. And then you look and you're like, but their kid is an idiot. And like, what, what happened? How did they not pass this along? And I, and I begin to look and I'm like, okay, so there was this guy and his name is Eli and he loves God and he's serving God and he's a priest. But yet he doesn't deal with his kids and his kids, it, it, the Bible clearly states that they don't follow God and they don't serve God. And in fact, they work at the temple and they're or working the, at the tabernacle and are abusing people and misusing people. And, and God says that Samuel's going to replace Eli because of it. And you're like, okay, so Eli actually pours into Samuel and he takes effort and time and he pours into Samuel and Samuel follows God. And you're like, sweet. And then Samuel does all this awesome stuff, but Samuel forgot to pour into his own kids and his kids didn't serve God. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is ridiculous. This is sad. And I look at David. I'm like, man, David does, does so many awesome things. But it says that he didn't deal with his kids. He didn't pour into his kids. He didn't correct his kids. He didn't pass his faith along to his kids. And his family went crazy. And they, he's got dysfunction. They, they're raping each other, killing each other, trying to kill him. And like it, it, it goes crazy because he didn't pass things along. And I begin to look at this. And I'm like, okay, so this is important. But it's not just about family. Every one of us is called to pour out into the next generation. And our faith can be passed on. We can bridge this. In fact, in Timothy, Paul says this. He says, When I call to remembrance the, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. He sits here and says, This has made it. You are at least the third generation that this has been passed to. So we can pass our faith on. The Bible tells us to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. And then I, I got excited. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. But is this just about me and my kids? Because that is so important. But the Bible says this in Titus. It says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good, that they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children. And he goes, the older, it's your job to help teach and to help walk with the younger. Not just the ones that you gave birth to, not just the ones that are your descendants, but the younger. And he lays this out, and I begin to look and go, you know what? Moses was able to pour into Joshua amazing things. Elijah poured into Elisha. 
Eli didn't do the best with his own kids, but he helped pour into Samuel. And I begin to look and go, okay, this is, this is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be bridging this gap and pouring in. We're supposed to be lifting up the next generation. We're supposed to be connecting them. Can you put up this, the next bridge? I saw this bridge. This bridge is in uh, Vietnam. Um, this Vietnamese bridge. And I'm like, this is awesome. And you see these big old hands. And I just look and go, we're supposed to be holding up a generation. We're supposed to be bridging this gap as God holds things together, as we introduce them to him. And I'm like, this is, this is what it should look like rather than a fallen interstate. And, and the Bible gives these instructions and he says, um, to the older men, he, he says, don't rebuke them, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. And he states out one of the ways that we build a bridge is we start by encouraging somebody. We live in a society where criticism is rampant, where it is so abundant. If you walk up to somebody and you're like, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help this young kid who doesn't know what's going on or this old man who doesn't know what he's doing or whatever side of it you happen to fall on. And you just walk up and tell them what they're doing wrong. You're just one more critic. One more voice on Facebook ranting and raving and yelling and complaining about everybody else. But he looks and he goes, encourage them. And as I begin to, to look at this, there's, there's so many that are old, that are holding on to things that they don't want to pass on. And so many that are young that are trying to take them and they resent each other. And he goes, no, you're supposed to work together. And the older are supposed to help equip the younger so that the younger can go further than the older ever were able because the older set them up for success. And we're supposed to partner together and we're supposed to pass this faith on. And we're supposed to, it has to be done in love. Tim Elmore just does a phenomenal job and he focuses a lot on generations. And he said this, he says, this next generation, um, they want a guide on the side, not a sage from the stage. And I, and I begin to look, I'm like, you know, we live in a society that's different than ever before. Because 50 years ago, if you had a question, you had to, to go to someone who was older. And you had to ask them. Or you had to go to the library, and then they had this like crazy system that you had to go through to try to find a book that might possibly have an answer to the thing that you're pondering. Today, kids have a question, and they're like, hmm, bust out their phone, and they can get information in seconds about anything. But information is very different than having someone walk with you through a process. But you need someone who loves you to walk with you through a process. Has anyone ever used Pinterest or known someone who's used Pinterest or how to off YouTube? Have you ever seen the nailed it? Okay, so if you're not familiar with these, um, this is just great fun. You can look up sometime. You can look, just type in nailed it and look and you'll find all these things where they found instructions online on how to do something a lot of these are cooking and they're like here look here's how to make a beautiful unicorn cake for your daughter's birthday and then you'll see a picture that just says nailed it and it has their attempt to do exactly what the instructions said that turned out nothing like what the instructions said because just having information is oftentimes not enough. In fact, sometimes just having information can be very, very painful. 
I remember, uh, I can't say that I've really used Pinterest, but um, when I was in high school, I got into barefoot water skiing. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This is really cool. And then I found this website, and I got really excited. I found a website of how to barefoot and how to do barefoot water skiing tricks. So you get a 90-foot rope, and you're getting towed around behind the boat, and wear a fun suit that's got its life jacket built in, so you can bounce around back there and not have it catch the water. And I got on there, and I saw this, these two, two sets of instructions. And I'm like, okay, they have instructions for how to do a flip while barefoot water skiing. And they've got instructions for how to do a dock start while water skiing. And now when I learned to barefoot, I, had, I went on a trip with... Um, with a bunch of guys from the youth, and there was a, one of the leaders could barefoot water ski, and he was so patient with me, teaching me how to barefoot. It probably took 20 different tries in a row before I got up, and, it was, and he walked me through this and told me, you're doing this wrong, and now do this, now lean a little bit more like this, and, and, and it, I got it. But this time, I didn't have somebody with me. I had print-off instructions, and I'm going to do this. And the guy made it look really easy. There was even like a little video clip of him doing the flip. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. You don't even have to make it all the way back onto your feet. As long as you can land on your back, you just keep the roll going and then back onto your feet. And so I'm back there behind the boat, you know, 38, 40 miles an hour. I'm like, wahoo! I'm like, I got this. I did a flip. In fact, I did several of them in a row. <laughs> and I just like bounced and rolled. And it's like, you know, perhaps maybe this wasn't the best idea. But I got two sets of instructions. Let's go try the other trick, right? And so, all right, so we're going to do this dock start. So I'm going to take the handle, and per the instructions, I'm going to get the boat going away from me while I have, like, three coils of rope in my hand. I'm going to toss these out there right as it kind of comes tight, tell them to hit it, run, and jump off the dock. When you jump off the dock, you're supposed to go up. The boat should be picking up some speed by now. Your feet hit over the rope. You should land like this in the water as they're taking off. You know, and very quickly they're hitting about 25 miles an hour. You sit up, take your feet off, put them in the water, and stand up. I'm like, this is easy. This is going to be fun. A little bit of timing to figure out, but it's not a big deal. And so we get this, and I'm all excited. And I come running out there. I'm like, all right, hit it. And I run, and I jump. But instead of landing, like, just like this on the water, I landed like this in the water. Which doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal. I'm in the water. Feet are facing kind of the right direction. And what it did, if you land flat on top of the water, you ski across the water really well. But if you land like this, and the rope's being pulled out from the middle, you plow the water. And so I'm holding the handle between my legs here, and it's, instead of pulling me that way, it's pulling me that way. And I'm just like holding on, I'm holding on as, as strong and as tight as I can until finally the pressure gets so much that it rips the handle out of my hands. Except the handle is teeing this way, and my legs are like this. It slams into my legs. It ripped a hole in my wetsuit on this side and left a black and blue mark about like this. This side, it hit from here to here. It ripped through my wetsuit and left a black and a blue mark that was there for weeks. That was the last of their instructions that I followed. But... This is my point. Instructions, information is not the same as walking through something with somebody. And whether it's trying to do stupid stuff barefooting or whether it's figuring out how to cook some strange thing that you found, 
Finding instructions online is not the same as doing life with somebody. We are called to bridge some things. We are called to pour in to the next generation. Those that are young, we need to look to somebody who's been around the block and ask them questions. Those that have been around the block a time or two, we need to love somebody and walk with somebody. I remember when I first came into ministry and I did not have a clue what I was doing. But I was excited. And through a course of, course of events, like, all right, we're going to have you step into this position and you're going to oversee the fifth and sixth grade. And, and they, I'm like, all right, great, what do I do? And they're like, you're the pastor, run it. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's, no, that's not actually helpful. Not at all. But it was, one of the things that was so needed was someone to walk alongside me. There was a couple of guys here at church who had 20 plus years on me, had a lot of wisdom, and they just said, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And as a young man, when someone offers to buy you food, you're like, yes, yes, you can. I don't care what your motives are if you feed me. And so they took me out and, and began to talk to me and they began to ask me questions because I was not smart enough to know what questions to ask them yet. And they knew it, so they asked me questions. They're like, all right, so... What are you doing? What are you excited about? Why are you doing that? How is that going to work? And how is this going to work? And rather than make me feel stupid, they begin to challenge me and, and make me think. And then when I begin to be puzzled, they begin to offer some, some solutions and, and help guide me and, and help grow me as a man and help grow me as a leader and help grow me as I begin to pastor and pour into kids. Some of them were their kids and, and they poured into me and it made such a difference. Still to this day, there's, there's guys that, now I'll meet with somebody who, who will, who's older than me, someone who's smarter than me, someone who's made more mistakes than me and say, hey, what can you teach me? And they'll ask questions and they'll, they'll give counsel and, and they'll help stretch me and grow me and bridge me across some of the years and some of the mistakes that have already been made by others. Just this week, I was talking to one of my friends and we we're talking about one of my kids and one of the, they're just, their challenges as they're growing and learning to handle emotions and different things. And my friend looks and goes, hey, could I take them out for lunch or for breakfast and talk with them? Yeah. It was the awesomest thing. There's some of the stuff that I've been pouring into my, my son and I've been talking to my son about. And then to have somebody else come alongside and pour into him and have my son just be like, you're awesome. And have him begin to say some of the same things, begin to bridge this gap, begin to pour into him. And going, oh, this is where it goes from being silos where one generation complains about the next, where we become a team and one generation equips the next. And instead of them fighting over who can have control of different things, one says, you know what, hey, can I equip you so that when I hand this over to you, you're ready for it? Can I pass over my faith? Can I show you not just that I'm doing something, but why I'm doing it? Can I introduce you to my Jesus? Can I introduce you to my source? Can I pass this on to you? Because we're called to bridge this. And as, as, we, as we bridge this, I have lots of notes. But one of the best ways to build a bridge, especially over a difficult obstacle, is prayer. I have, in, in, in all fairness, I've, I've faced challenges, but I've had a pretty good life. Um, my wife is amazing. My wife has been through a lot of things, a lot of things that nobody should have had to go through. 
and I was asking her about forgiveness. And when I did, and, and she's been through different forms of abuse, most all of the different forms of abuse, and I asked her, I'm like, how, how did you forgive some of these people? And when did it become real? When did it stick? And she said to me that she prays for them. She prayed for them. And I'm like, I remember an old country song that's like, I'll pray for you. Pray a uh, flower pot falls off a window seal on your head and that your brakes go out going down a hill. And, and I'm like, like, this kind of pray for him? She, he's like, no, no. I, like, these guys that, that literally hurt and abused me, she said, no, I prayed that they would encounter God. I prayed that they would encounter his love, that they would meet the same God who was willing to forgive me and that they could know his grace and his forgiveness. And it kind of took me back. She, but she said, as she did that, her heart shifted. And it took her heart from being opposed to them and just angry and bitter over the things that had been done to her to getting God's, God's eyes for them. And it began to bring healing in her own heart and in her soul. It dealt with a lot of the baggage as she began to, to literally to give them to God, not with her ill will and malice toward them, but asked God to give her his heart for them and prayed that God's will would be done in their lives. And one of the things that we can do when we want to bridge this gap, one of the things that we're all called to do is to pray. And we should be reaching out to them. And I want to challenge the younger to look for somebody who's older, look for somebody who's, who's somewhere that you'd like to be and ask them questions. If you're older, if you've been around the block, if you've made a few mistakes, look for somebody that you can love on, that you can walk with. Not somebody that you can just point out the things that they've done wrong, but someone you can walk with. I meet with somebody on a regular basis who pours into me. In the last couple of weeks, I've had several young men in my office going, hey, we're about to get to this different stage in life. How do we navigate this? What do we do? And beginning to share with them and help walk them through this process. Tonight, I want to, to take a very simple step. As we say that prayer is an amazing step, is an amazing bridge that allows us to see God's will done I want to I allow those that have been around the block a time or two to pray for those in here who have not been around the block as many times, who need some wisdom and some counsel. So in just a moment, actually, we'll do this first. If you're a millennial or younger, would you go ahead and stand up? And if you're like, well, what defines a millennial? Depending on which study you look at, it starts anywhere from like 83 to... Um, 80 itself. So if you were born from anywhere since 1980, go ahead and stand up. There should be a few of you guys. All right. If you're not standing, that means you were born before that. You have survived because you are here and you have made some mistakes. You have learned some lessons. Would you go and find somebody who's standing and go lay hands on them? We're going to pray for them because they need wisdom. They need wisdom. They need strength. They need direction and they need guidance. And this is one of the things that we're called to do. We are called to bridge. We are called to pour in to this generation. I want to give you a chance to pray for them with your words. I'm going to 
I'll finish off your off the prayer as you guys do this, but go ahead. And you can pray for the people that are there. You can pray. we lift up each young person in this room. God, we ask that you would pour out your love and your grace on them. Your grace that empowers, that equips. God, that you would strengthen them, that they could walk out your plans, that you would give them a revelation of who you are and who they are in Christ Jesus. God, that they could walk out their identity, that they could know you, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them clarity, that you would give them eyes to see. God, that you would pour out your direction, that you would pour out your favor and your blessing on them, that you would help them to be lights in our world. God, that you've instilled dreams and passions in them. God, I thank you that you, your grace empowers them to walk them out, that they could know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of your love, that they could know the glorious inheritance that you have for them in Christ Jesus, that they could walk these things out, that you would have your way in them, that you would have your way in their families. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, younger ones, older ones, don't go too far yet. We're going to just turn around. And if you're the younger ones, We get to treasure, we get to respect, we get to honor, and we get to pray over those that have gone before us. Turn around, some of those, they they already gathered around you. Turn around and lay your hands on them. I know you're a little bit outnumbered, so you're going to have to spread them a little bit. But we want to pray for those that are here. We want to thank God for them. We want to thank God for the wisdom. Because God is still using them. And they're a blessing here for us. we thank you for these mothers and fathers for these parental figures of the faith these that have gone before us for the experiences for the wisdom that they have gathered God we thank you for the gift that they've been God that you give them opportunity to pass these things on God I thank you that you are still using them God that your hand is on them that there is strength that there is healing that there is forgiveness, that there is grace, that there is compassion that is on them. God, I thank you that you've given them a spirit of compassion for those that are coming. God, that you give them more and more wisdom and favor. God, that you help them to raise up godly men and women of character into positions of authority. God, I thank you that you give them positions of authority where they can be influential. God, that they can use the wisdom that you have given them, the the experience that they've been through to 
to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven, to be influential for you, to use and to pour out your love in the places that they go. God, that you give them wisdom, that you give them a heart to see the next generation the way that you do. And God, we thank you that you're doing a work in them and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. As we, as we pray for each other, as we talk about bridging these gaps, I, I cannot end saying that we need to build a bridge so that people can encounter Jesus and not give people an opportunity who don't know my Jesus to meet my Jesus. So if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't know. I've not, you can have a seat. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Can everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes? If today you're like, you know what? I need to meet that Jesus that loves me. That maybe that faith wasn't passed on to you. We say, I want to start it. Or I want to join the faith that I've seen. If you want to make Jesus your Lord, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And you can know that you're right with God and that you're on your way to heaven. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Who else is? That's me. Awesome. This is the most important decision that you ever make. All right, you can put your hands down. We're going to say a simple prayer. I'm going to ask those that have done this before, those who raise their hand, to go ahead and repeat after me and say, God, thank you for loving me, for making a way, for paying the price for me. I believe that you died and rose again. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give them a really big hand.